Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) It's great to see all the families here today, this morning. And as you know, Rich uh, gave a warm introduction. My name is John Kim, and I'm the Global Outreach Director here at Belprez. Um, I handle the global missions movement uh, that is uh, the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And that's such a great job, Um, and I get to serve a great God. Today's a special day for us, and as a church, we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, babies are great, aren't they? My brother-in-law came uh, with his family from Minneapolis. They have three girls, seven, four, and one, and the, the one-year-old is celebrating her first birthday today uh, on Christmas Day. Her name is Noelle. Um, babies are so adorable. They smell so good, they make funny faces, they burp and spit up all sorts of stuff, right? And I think for most of us, when we see babies, we just can't help but smile and wonder what the future holds for our little ones. I love these words from Isaiah 9, verse 6. They're probably among the best known words and best loved words in all of Scripture and form arguably one of the greatest pieces of music ever composed, Handel's Messiah. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now for those of you who don't know, I am a second generation Korean American. I was born in the great state of Texas. My parents immigrated from South Korea, not from the other side, you know, the North with its crazy dictator, seriously. Now, there's a Korean tradition called Dor, where once a baby turns one year old, Korean families celebrate this birthday with a huge party. Now, in Korean history, the death rates for children were very high, and many children died before their first birthday. So it was an important milestone for the baby and for the parents. The whole village used to celebrate a baby's first birthday, sharing food and wishing for a long, happy life and fortune for the baby. Now the highlight of a dole is a ritual called a doljabi, where the child is placed in front of a table or on the ground and food and objects such as a string, paintbrushes, book, a ball, and money are placed. So the child is then urged to pick up an object. It is believed the one selected will foretell the child's future. For example, if the child picks up a paintbrush or pencil or a book, he or she is destined to be smart. If a child picks up money, he or she will be wealthy. If a child picks up food, he or she will not go hungry. If a child picks up thread, it is believed that he or she will live a long life. If a child picks up a ball, it is believed that he or she will be an athlete. Now, if you had a baby, what would you want him or her to pick? That's the question. So what you see on the screen is actually my son's dole. It is where, and you'll see a picture, he is wearing a traditional outfit. It's a Korean outfit. He's 18 years old now, (laughs) so it's been a long time. That's my wife, Seoul. 
And if I remember correctly, I think he chose a shoe. Uh, he actually grabbed somebody's shoe. Uh, so I think that means he's going to be a shoemaker, which is totally fine if that's his future. No, I'm just kidding. He actually chose a pencil. But we're still trying to figure that one out. Hashtag LOL. <laughs> now, you see, adult chubby is a Korean tradition of hope. Hope for the child, hope for his or her future. Now, in the same way here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the writer prophesies the hope of the future child king of Israel. You see, Israel hoped, long hoped for a Messiah born from the Davidic line, one who would unite the tribes and usher in the kingdom of God. This hope would be centered around four descriptions, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Join with me as we take a look at these wonderful descriptions. Now the first description, this first half of, the, of this description is wonderful, the word wonderful. Now the way we use the word wonderful is a bit different than the way Isaiah uses the word wonderful. When we use the word wonderful, we really mean something that is good or excellent. For example, I might say that was a wonderful meal. Really meaning, dang, that was delish. But when Isaiah describes the coming king, as wonderful, what he means is much more than just good or excellent. The Hebrew root for the word wonderful is Pele. And you see this word Pele used in Psalm 78 verse 12, which says that God did wonders in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. If you look back when God freed the Israelite saves through Moses, you see a time when God does the miraculous over and over and over again. He does things that are beyond human understanding. God steps in and does the supernatural. So Isaiah places hope in the coming king and calls him wonderful. He is making it clear that this king will be supernatural, powerful, and glorious, and the creator of great miracles. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Because we can look to his wonderful life, his wonderful miracles, his wonderful love, his wonderful forgiveness, and his wonderful sacrifice on the cross for us. Jesus is the wonderful king that Isaiah prophesied about. Now the other half of the name given to the coming king is counselor. Now one of the main responsibilities of a king was to give counsel and direction to his people. Now a king would normally have a team of counselors to help advise him and guide him on the affairs of the nation. Now I like what Isaiah says in chapter 11 verse two. When speaking of the coming king, he says the spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. The spirit of counsel and of power. See the idea here is that the new king would know and understand God's will, knowing exactly what is right and what is wrong, and what God's purposes are. The wonderful counselor in Isaiah's prophecy doesn't need a team of advisors around him. He will be able to judge correctly and make the right decisions because of the inherent wisdom of God in him. The role of a counselor is to help guide our lives. Through difficult times, through difficult circumstances, and giving us the wisdom to deal with confusion and help chart a path to wholeness. This is what Jesus does for us. And this is why he is the wonderful counselor. He brings healing and wholeness and guides and directs our lives. 
Now, one of my favorite things to do, which I don't get to do very often, is to scuba dive. Any scuba divers here? Any? All right, a few. Good. Now, one of my favorite all-time dive locations is in Montego Bay, Jamaica. And I'll never forget my Jamaican dive buddy and guide, Rambo. Yes, you heard me right. His name is Rambo. And I kid you not, this kid was a ripped, muscular dude who at every opportunity flexed his muscles. And he looked like, I kid you not, the Jamaican Sylvester Stallone. Now, he couldn't have been more than 21 years of old age, and he's been diving in those waters since he was a kid. And I was so excited to get under the water. Now, before going under the water, Rambo always said, he told me to keep an eye on him, be close to him, because the fast-moving currents could take me away, and there's probably a good chance I would get caught up in one if I didn't keep up with him. Pretty soon, we're diving in one of the most beautiful locations in the whole world. We saw a school of large silverfish swimming around us where I saw, you know, Rambo flexing, and he was actually punching the school of fish as they were swimming right around us. The water was clear blue, and you could see for miles, like miles around. We got to the bottom, and I could see he pointed to his flipper, and he was kicking a rock. It looked like he was kicking a rock, but that rock moved, and it was a poisonous stonefish. And after getting caught up in the coolness of seeing a stonefish, something actually caught my eye. And as I looked across the blue ocean, I saw something glimmering. It was the coolest sight ever. And that glimmering light kept growing and growing. And it seemed like it was getting closer and closer to me. Pretty soon, it looked like a glimmering wall of diamonds. Pretty soon, as the lights, and the, and the, the, the lights came closer and that wall came closer, I realized it wasn't just these li- a light show. It began to take form. And I, and, and I realized that light, that wall became and it formed into a school of fish. But not just any school of fish. As it came closer and closer, I recognized it was a school of barracudas. They're about four feet long with razor sharp teeth, and I was freaking out 60 feet under the water. My first reaction is, Where's my guide? Where's Rambo? Where do I, I need his muscles right now? And I'm looking for him, and I couldn't find him. Soon the barracudas, the school of barracudas, were getting so close. I mean, I thought this was it. They're going to have me for lunch. But as soon as the barracudas came, kid you not, within a few feet, I felt somebody grab my arm, it was Rambo, and he pulled me closer to him. And as he pulled me closer to him, we caught a fast current that pulled us away from the school of barracudas. Now I remember coming up to the boat and afterward, and and I remember talking to Rambo, and I asked him, Rambo, what happened? Like, how did that all occur? And he told, he told me that, no, you know, yeah, man, you're good, you know, like everything is fine. I know the waters, I know the fish, I even know the barracuda, you know. And he just smiled, and he just smiled and said, I got your back. You're safe with me. You know who else has your back? Jesus has your back. I don't know what the barracudas are in your life, but Jesus does. He knows your fears. He your hurts, your pain. He knows what you struggle with, with your finances, with relationships, or your health. And no matter how large they may seem, and no matter how big that they can get, Jesus is our guide. He is our wonderful counselor, and he can bring us into a place of safety and inside his protection of grace and mercy. 
Our hope in our Messiah is great, isn't it? Isaiah also says that the coming king will be called a mighty God. He's not only our wonderful counselor, but he is also our mighty God. Some scholars say that the word translated mighty shows that Isaiah is describing a divine Messiah in his role as a warrior. The idea is also found in, in Psalm chapter 45, verses 3 through 5, which is also addressed to the promised Messiah. Follow along with me. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. Here Isaiah gives us hope that the Messiah, the divine Messiah, goes out ahead of us. He's fighting our battles. He's defeating our enemies on behalf of his kingdom. In the same way, Jesus is also our mighty God. He has defeated our ultimate enemies, sin and death. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and there is no one greater than Jesus Christ. Apostle Luke reminds us that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And Paul writes that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The next, next description Isaiah gives us to the, gives us about the coming king is everlasting father. Now, when you look at Israel's long history, you see more than not corrupt kings, corrupt leaders that ruled over their people with oppression, fear, and death. But here, Isaiah paints a picture that the Messiah king would be known as father, someone who intimately loves his family and children, someone who sacrifices himself for the well-being of his family. This is the description of who the Messiah will become. Now, my earliest Christmas memories are actually not with my family. My parents were shop owners. In a wig store, they owned a wig store, in fact. They sold wigs and hair extensions. And I grew up there, I grew up working at their store. So if any of you need advice on wigs or hair extensions, come talk to me after the service and I can hook you up. Now every Christmas season was a busy time for my parents and their shop. They had to work about 14 hour days and so they couldn't keep, leave me alone at home. So they would have me stay at a friend's home. And I would stay at my friend's place for Christmas, every Christmas, for about a week. Now to be honest, I thought that was very strange. But I remember, and I remember feeling grateful as I processed my Christmas memories to my friend's family because they would let me stay with them and they treated me like I was their own child. My friend's father was so kind and loving and I still cherish those memories of him. It wasn't until after I was in college that my fondest memories of Christmas came to be with my parents. My sister and I would come home from college and we actually would have only a few days uh, to be home with my parents for Christmas. And I remember coming home and the house, which was a shock, the house was set up for Christmas. The Christmas tree was up, the Christmas lights, the lights outside the house. I mean, the whole house was festive and all the Christmas decorations was, was set up. And I remember thinking that my dad did all of this 
And we're not kids anymore. We're in college. And we were only there for a few days. But I just remember thinking that my dad loved us so much and he wanted us, even though we were home just for a few days, he wanted us to experience Christmas and he wanted to show us how much he loved us. And I appreciated that love. And you know what? Fathers do that, don't they? They go the extra mile and they express their love in many different ways. God the Father has revealed his ultimate love for us through his son Jesus Christ, our Savior. As our Heavenly Father, God offers us loving care, guidance, protection, support, and encouragement. Now finally, Isaiah declares hope that the coming king is the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Now shalom means more than just peace. It means completeness, wholeness, health, and harmony. It means to bind together the elements of life into a meaningful whole. Peace is not the absence of trouble from our lives, but the reassurance that no matter what we face in life, Jesus is with us, and that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. This is why Paul wrote, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's from Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. This is the root of true peace. Now, I think if we're honest, we realize peace is such an elusive thing. When Ethan, my son, was one, Sol, my wife, and I, we took him to the mall. And I told her, as we got to the mall, I said, honey, you go shopping, you go do your thing. I'm going to have a father and son moment, right? And uh, we got into the mall, and I had this baby, baby carrier where the baby's facing you, and the legs are wrapped around my waist, and his hands are, you know, wrapped around my neck, and I'm holding him. And we're walking through the mall, and we're having, like, this amazing father-son moment, right? And I'm so happy. Now, interestingly, I got, we got, we were walking in the mall. I got halfway in the mall. I began to feel this sudden rush of warmth in my chest area. (laughs) At first, at first it felt really good until I quickly realized that warmth was a result of my son relieving himself and that liquid escaping through the sides of his diaper. Now, I began to panic and I started walking to the exit. I looked down in my shirt, which, was, which started out light blue, uh, turned dark blue, and my, soon my shirt just became completely drenched. My next thought was, I'm sure he's going to stop relieving himself and that the diaper is going to kick in and help absorb the liquid. I was completely wrong. He kept going and going, and soon, not only my shirt was drenched, my pants became drenched. Okay? And at this point, I couldn't even walk anymore because I was leaving a trail of liquid behind me. So I had to find a place to stop and sit. And I found a bench and I sat there. And I remember just moments ago, I'm having this father-son-like moment, right? I was in a very good place, loving on my son. A perfect Zen peace moment. But now, my shirt and pants were completely drenched. And it wasn't warm, it was a cold, wet feeling. And, the, and, and the, the liquid had no place to go, so I'm sitting at this bench, and it's just dripping down and forming a puddle around my feet. 
And I sat there in the middle of the mall, closing my eyes, hoping that no one would see me, just disappearing, and wondering what in the world just happened. Did my son drink two gallons of milk before we got to the mall? I mean, my serenity was completely gone. My wife came by and she's smiling, holding some bags, you know, she's like, what's going on? And I'm telling her the story and she looks and she just chuckles. I was so upset, I walked out of the mall People were smiling, laughing, and I was so embarrassed. I almost lost it, to be honest with you. Now, I learned a lot that day. One, to always check my baby's diaper after leaving the car. And the other, a realization that peace can quickly dissipate. As as good as things can get, like a father and son moment, things can always go wrong in a blink of an eye. Circumstances have this way of changing our perspective and causing us to lose peace in a heartbeat. But thankfully, we have hope that no matter what our circumstances are, that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He brings wholeness and completeness in our lives despite the circumstances we go through. Jesus is with us through them and loves us completely. Now, while a Korean tradition, a doljabi, is a playful hope in what a child can become, the word of God seen here in Isaiah gives us hope, what true hope is, and who the Messiah will become. This Christmas Day, today, we celebrate Jesus Christ, his birthday. We can trust and place our hope in him. We can trust his life, his teachings, his love, and his sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, our Messiah, is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we give you thanks for giving the world your only son, Jesus Christ, that this Christmas day, today, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, and we worship at his feet. We bring our whole being, our families and our lives to you as a symbolic offering of our love for you. Your ultimate purpose of sending your son was to offer him as a sacrifice for our sins and to offer us reconciliation through the death and resurrection of your only son. We pray for your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And all of God's people said together, amen.